0: Ah, uh, the Steam Summer Sale, my favorite holiday. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bebel. We're wrapping up our dynasty rookie ranks today. Uh, Wednesday show, Thursday show, we went through the top 40 players today. We're going to be looking through the rest of those, uh, up to a top 64. Oh, actually it's a top 60 and then, uh, the few four guys who, who did miss out. I'm getting inside that top 60, recapping uh, what we've done so far and a bit of a chat about those last guys for those of you who are looking for those deeper players and who have got picks outside the top 40 in rookie dynasty drafts. I have sent out a couple of uh, tweets recently, just gathering interest for the uh, the Red Rock Challenge, which previously was known as the Red Rock Listener Leagues. Just a bit of rebranding happening this season, just to get your guys' opinion on what sort of leagues you want. What we did last year was run 12 different head-to-head leagues, 12 different roto leagues. That will still be happening. But the change we're going to be introducing is making some of them paid. So I just want to get a- an idea of what sort of percentage need to be free and what sort of percentage uh, are, are going to be uh, money leaks. So you can go find that link on my Twitter at redrock underscore bball and give your opinion. Also, I'd like to be able to in- institute a points league wing of the Red Rock Challenge, hopefully get to 12 points leagues and then the winners of all those go into a points champions league in the next season. And the other thing I'll also be doing is instituting draft only leagues. Now, if you're unaware of draft only leagues, it's simply what they are. You go in, you do a draft, and that's it. It's great for those of you who have got multiple leagues, but really, really love the process of drafting in fantasy, because you draft the guys, you don't set your lineups, you don't do trades, you don't do waivers. So it's in addition to your usual leagues. All it is, is like, it's basically like a mock draft, except People are playing with something on the line because nearly all of those ones will be cash leagues. You've got something on the line, so people are going to be drafting more realistically. And there's going to be three different types of those, roto, head-to-head, and points. And the points leagues, uh, especially on Fantrax, they can run a best ball format. So say you draft 20 guys, every weekly matchup, you'll have all 20 guys there, and the system will actually choose your best 10 players for the week and match that up against your opponent's best 10. So it's basically setting your lineup for you in a perfect manner. So these are going to be great leagues. I'm going to go in uh, quite a few of those best ball ones, because the reason I don't want to go in too many more seasonal leagues is I don't have the time to set these lineups every week. So... Once you're in your array of your usual fantasy leagues, jumping on some of these draft-only leagues will be great as well. So go and fill in your preferences. You give your email, so when I go to set these up at some point in July, uh, late July, early August, I'll have your details and know which leagues I'll send you the invites out for. So there's going to be roto, head-to-head points. There's going to be regular leagues. There's going to be paid leagues and be free leagues, and there's going to be draft-only leagues. A big, big swag. Of leagues across the Red Rock Challenge, and shout out to everyone who is in the Champions League in both the head-to-head Champions League and the Roto Champions League. I've spoken too much. Michael Bolton's getting antsy. Let's get to it. To it. All right. Let's uh, let's get to it. Indeed. We will. Uh, we'll kick things off by just recapping the players that have gone so far in these ranks. Just running through the names. We'll start at the top of my Dynasty Rookie ranks. This is for Dynasty Rookie only uh, leagues or Rookie only drafts. Number one, Luka Doncic. Number two, Triple J, Jaron Jackson. Number three, DeAndre Ayton. Number four, Trey Young. Number five, five. Mo Bumba. Number six, Marvin Bagley III. Number seven, Wendell Carter Jr. Number eight, McCall Bridges. Number uh, nine, we've got Michael Porter Jr. Number 10, DRC, Zaya Smith. Number 11, Miles Bridges. Number 12, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Number 13, Colin Sexton. Number 14, The Rock DJ. Robert Williams, number 15, Jana Musa, number 16, Joshua Kogi, number 17, Kevin Huerta, number 18, Ali Akobo, number 19, The Fox, The Fox, The Fort, Kevin Knox, and number 20, Lonnie Walker, The fourth. And then in yesterday's show, we went through the next 20. Number 21, we had Jacob Evans. Number 22, DeAnthony Melton. Number 23, Rowdy Rodions kourouks Number 24, Isaac Bonga. Number 25, Kyrie Thomas. 26, Chandler Hutchison. 27, Mitchell Robinson. Number 28, the burner, Jalen Brunson. Number 29, Brucey Brown. Number 30, Troy Brown. 21, the HSV, Jared Vanderbilt. 32, Kade Bates-Diop. 33, Melvin Frazier. 34, Jerome Robinson. 35, Landry Shamet. 36, Yusuf Sanon. 37, Sheik Milton. 38, Kendrick Williams. 39, Devontae Graham. And number 40, Jemetsi Metu from the San Antonio Spurs. So that's the top 40. Go back and listen to the last two podcasts, or at least download them. Get the numbers up. You can find them on YouTube as well, so you can hear my explanation as to why I put those players in those uh, in those spots, and uh, one of the big takeaways I've got from going back over this is I, I think I am pro- pretty much, I, I am a little bit low on Troy Brown, and if I was redoing it, I would probably jump him ahead of uh, Jalen Br- uh, Brunson, Bruce Brown, and I'd probably push him five, six spots up, maybe ahead of even Isaac Bongro up there at 24, so maybe that's zone, maybe I was a little bit harsh on Troy Brown with the rankings that's probably my biggest uh, regret in doing these in doing these uh rankings and this could easily change when free agency occurs and we see some of this action happen at summer league but this is my initial uh, ranks cuz people are doing drafts in the next couple of weeks in terms of uh dynasty rookies let's move on now to the back end of the rookie class coming in now i've got 64 guys here there's going to be more rookies in this play in the nba Especially, like last season we had over 120 guys, tons of guys coming from the G League. So what I'm going to be doing now is doing a little bit more work on G League stats, translations, looking at G League players. And at some point in the coming weeks, I'm going to be doing a podcast based on some underrated Deep Dynasty guys who might be looking to make an NBA debut as uh, guys who came from the G League. So stay tuned for that. It's something I'm starting to work on at the moment. I'm sure that can be useful for you guys in very, very deep Dynasty formats. Let's move on to today's um, action and where we have these guys, uh, these guys ranked in in terms of uh, how these players all uh, all stack up when we look at their uh, their overall uh, value and where I'd be drafting them in fantasy. The guy we're looking at here at number forty one is the golf ball, Raymond Spaulding, the centre slash forward from uh, from Louisville. Um, look, he's he's got some decent uh, decent translations. He went to Dallas. He was part of a trade with Philadelphia in order to get, uh, as they traded back, to get some uh, some different picks. Um, it's not like the Mavericks have a plethora of big men. They're going to be active in the uh, free agent market, but he's a guy that with good, a really good steal rate, really good block rate, rebounds well, decent efficiency numbers, that if he does get an opportunity to play, yeah, the, the, produ- the production has a chance to be good. 18 and 12 and a half per 40 minutes in his junior year at Louisville with... 2.2 steals per 40 and 2.5 blocks. Really, really big numbers. And not really a stretch threat, 26% from three, but 54 from the field plus those really good defensive and really good rebound numbers means that if he found himself in a big role and it's not it's not a stretch that he could do that, he would be a very, very interesting fantasy guy because of those defensive and rebounding numbers. Advanced stats, really strong for Louisville. Massive PR of over 25, box score plus minus of 10 a guy that you know, he's probably being slept on a little bit, considering how low his draft spot was. But uh, I'm all about him here, and you can see he was picked in the fifties. And the guy I've got there at number forty-two, the wizard Amari Spellman, was picked at number thirty. And I've got Spalding well ahead of Spellman. I hated the uh, Spellman pick, Pro- probably one of my least favorite picks in the first round, outside of uh, outside of Jerome Robinson. Spellman is uh, another one of these big men. I thought the Hawks could have gone in, in many different directions here. Played uh, for Villanova as a freshman. His numbers aren't aren't terrible. Uh, 15 points per 40 minutes with 11 rebounds. Two blocks, 0.9 steals. 43% from three. A really stretchy type big man. 2.3 triples per 40 minutes. It's just something about him. It's just not, not a great defender. I just don't feel... And I don't feel strongly about anything that he really does. Now, his advanced numbers are, are okay. They're, they're, they're solid enough. But Spellman's not a guy that I can ever see moving into even a short-term starter type of role. On this Hawks team, there's the Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. There's the Baptist, John Collins there you got the Moose, Mike Muscala there as well. So where's the Wizard going to fit in? Is he the fourth big man? Is he the fifth big man on this team? I don't think we're going to see much from him. And again, with Collins likely to be that four or five of the future for this team, I don't ever see Spellman being a guy to pair alongside John Collins. And that gives me, I guess, he'd be a player that I'd be passing on in a lot of different um, dynasty formats, especially considering he went at pick 30 in the NBA draft. And I don't really want too much to do with him. In that, in that sort of a setting. Now, the next two guys or the next three guys, shit, no, the next four guys were all first round draft picks and I've got them falling here outside the top 40. And you can say, Josh, that they, they were picked in the first round for a reason. That's true. There are many, many, many spuds who are picked in the first round. I can go back and look at the Bucks' last two first round picks. Rashad Vaughn, DJ Wilson, not good players at all. Tony Bradley, he was a first-round pick. What did he do? He might be good. He was bad. There are many, many bad... Justin Patton, pick 16 last year. Not all first-round picks are going to be valuable players. And some of these guys have got recognizable names. In fact, three of them do. Dante DiVincenzo here at number 43. We all know about Dante. And I'm a, I'm a fan of what Dante can bring. I think he can be a rotation guy pretty much straight away for the Bucks. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be a great fantasy asset. Tony Snell has been a rotation player for the Bucks, and he is an absolutely shitful fantasy player. And while I don't think that uh, DiVincenzo is necessarily Tony Snell, it's not that far off because he doesn't produce in many of the categories that we want for fantasy. He averaged 18 points per 40 minutes for Villanova last year. Under five assists, six rebounds, 1.4 steals. Did shoot 40% from three, which is strong. 71% from the line is a concern. Can he extend out to the NBA three-point line? The, will he be handling the ball in Milwaukee? Probably not at all. The steal rate, eh, nothing exciting. Blocks, he's getting none of those. Rebounding is okay, but he's just not going to be doing much of that in Milwaukee. And I just didn't like the way that his fantasy numbers really translated and the type of player that he is. Now, I could very easily see someone make the argument that you want to take him 5, 6, 10 spots high, and I don't think I'd have too much of a problem with it, but there are going to be players in the top 20, in the top 30 who struggle, and I think DiVincenzo, especially from a fantasy point of view, could be one of those guys. At number 44, another player who is quite well-known and uh, in a similar situation, taken in the latter portion of the first round, and that was by the Utah Jazz, and that's Grayson Allen. We all know his uh, antics, 17 points uh in his senior year per 40 minutes for Duke, five assists, three rebounds, 1.9 steals, 37% from three. Only forty-two percent from the field, which is which is a little bit troubling in terms of his uh, shooting percentages. The advanced stuff isn't sensational for Grayson Allen, and he's not a player who translated particularly well. In fact, he was really close in his translations to what DiVincenzo did, hence why I've got them here. You know, not massively high assists or really low rebounds, and poor field goal percentages. If I had to take a flyer on one of these guys, it would be DiVincenzo. Obviously, I have him ranked one spot higher for that specific reason, but he is not a guy that I'm you know, super interested in. But another guy that if you want to take that um, you know, pick forward and go with a guy, like I had a guy, Kendrick Williams, in the top 40, even though he was an undrafted player, I still think his overall fantasy ability is higher than these players. But if you go, well, Grayson Allen's got a, a rookie-scale contract. I feel more confident about him getting minutes. Sure. Go that move. It's, it's not these guys. And this draft in particular, there was so much closeness in a lot of these players that, you know, and this is part of the reason why I don't usually do rankings is because so many, you know, you can have in regular season rankings, 50 guys that are uh, throw a blanket over them. And oh, I give one guy a ranking of 40 and one guy a ranking of 60. Man, 20 sports difference when in the end it's, it's like a bees dick of difference in terms of their overall uh, value. And that's a similar way that I look at these ones. So. There's quite a bit of variability that, that could potentially uh, occur with uh, with these players. Uh, I really think that Allen's defense could be somewhat of a concern. I'm not sure he does enough offensively to uh, to get over the hump there. So, well, he does have uh, some level of, uh, of of value. I'm not super high on him. The next guy, another first-round pick, and that is big as a Holiday at 45. We know his brothers, Drew Holiday, excellent player. Justin Holiday, probably not an excellent player. Aaron Holiday's is a guy who shot the ball sensationally. We, we know that at UCLA. 42% in his freshman year from three, 41 in his sophomore season, 43 in his junior year. That is fantastic. Good assist rates. averaged 21.5 points per 40 with over six assists, 1.4 steals, and 83% from the free throw line. These are all really good, but can he do anything defensively to stay on the court? That's the concern. He'll hit threes, and his efficiency will be okay. The assist numbers will be all right. And again, maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on Holiday. I just I'd think that it wasn't a great pick from the Pacers to get him at that spot. I have concerns that he can develop into a starting point guard, and I think his lack of defense combined with some of his other deficiencies are really going to prevent him from being a long-term NBA player. He could, uh, he could hang around, no doubt, but I think his upside is fairly limited. And threes are the most easily replaceable stat that you can find off a waiver of wire. And that's really where we big as holidays strengths come in. Let's, uh, look at the next one who is another first round pick. And he's, he's a weird one. And that is Anthony Simons of the, uh, of the Portland Trailblazers. Red was, uh, a guy who didn't go to college, uh, went to IMG and, uh, Put up some really impressive numbers. There was an article on Blazers Edge about the numbers that he put up at ING. Hit threes, scored efficiently, got assists, generated steals. He is a a long-term project. That's why I've got him pushed down a little bit here. But if he ended up being the 30th best player, fantasy-wise, if he ended up being the 20th best player of this group, I wouldn't be shocked. But it is a real... Um, guesswork type of situation. It's a real maybe. There's a ten percent chance of this happening. The five thirty eight projections really do like his upside. He's much higher than say Dante's or, or Grayson or Aaron Holiday or or the golf ball or the wizard or any of these guys. He does have tremendous, tremendous upside. And this is a Blazers team that maybe they do move on from us. I had a weird dream that I woke up this morning and CJ McCollum was traded, and he was traded for an absolute piece of poo package. And I can't remember what it was. It was horrendous, though. Um, and I had to double-check, and obviously... It was fake because I was still asleep. But that was interesting. But there's a chance that CJ moves on and Lillard starts to get older. And Simons, in four years' time, is playing a significant role and generating steals and getting good assists and scoring and hitting threes and doing all this. He has got lottery talent. So, you know, I look at this and I say, well, maybe Dante could be higher. Maybe uh, Grayson could be higher. Then I go... Maybe I'll take Simon's high. Maybe I'll take him in the 30s. Maybe I'll take him at pick number 30 in a dynasty rookie draft just because that upside is really high. And that's sort of what I'm looking for at this end. So it really depends. Do you want a guy that like DiVincenzo who probably is going to be a rotation player, albeit not a great one for five years? Or do you want a guy like Simon who you might need to wait Three years for, but has top twenty potential out of this class, not top twenty overall. You know, top seventy, top sixty overall potential. That really depends on your appetite for risk and the way that your team currently looks. But Red is really an interesting guy here, and I think you should be having a, a, a bit of a look at him. And uh, again, developing your your uh, your level of uh, of risk tolerance. The next guy we want to look at is uh, is Jalen Adams. Uh, again, an undrafted player. But uh, a guy who has uh, who has signed on as a uh, as, as a two way guy um, for this coming season. Just got to double check uh, which team he signed on for because that has completely slipped my mind. Um, I think he went to the Paces. Let's just double check that. This is a great radio. As I as I completely uh, forgot that uh, where he went. No, the Atlanta Hawks. That's right. I was getting confused with him and Jalen Morris. Well, did the Hawks pick up have both these Jalen's? But no, Jalen Adams has gone to the Hawks. He was from Saint Bonaventure. Played four seasons in college. Twenty points per forty last year. Five point six assists, almost four boards, one point seven steals. from three. His three-point percentage did wane or change quite a bit. 32 as a freshman, 44 as a sophomore, 36 as a junior, and 44 as a senior. Decent free throws. Well, not decent, bloody good free throws. 85%. And this Hawks team needs young talent. We saw Damian Lee. We saw Jalen Morris last season get roles on this team. And a guy like Jalen Adams on a two-way deal can come in. He can do a bit of ball handling on the wing. I think he's a, quite an interesting two-way type of guy who does have that upside with that good free throws, hits some threes, gets some assists, but he does fall into that similar zone as, say, a Grayson Allen, the poor rebounding and the below average steals numbers, but I like him there. Another, and there's a bunch of uh, of guys here, signed, uh, on, uh, on summer league or two-way deals in this little zone as well. Number 48, Alonzo Tria from Arizona, who has gone to the Knicks on a two-way deal. Another guy as a, uh, a player who probably should have been drafted, did have to deal with some, uh, suspension-based issues. In his time in college, PED-based stuff, there seems to be a little bit of conjecture, conjecture as to uh, how accurate that is. His upside's maybe not great, but I do think there is a little bit to like about Trio. He averaged over 21 points per 40 minutes all three years in college. 38% career three-point shooter. He's more of a, of a shooting guard than a point guard You know, subpar rebounding and assist. And the defense is the real concern. No steals, no blocks, uh, really good free throws, though. And that's what does drop him in his fantasy numbers. But he is a guy that I can see getting playing time on this Knicks team, probably already better than rugged Ronnie Baker, and, and could work his way into a full-time contract on this team. The other guy was uh, the next guy in this list, number forty-nine, is Trayvon Duval, who uh, went to the Houston Rockets. Not drafted, as as we know, a little bit of a surprise after coming in so highly regarded uh, out of high school, but uh, his college season wasn't what you'd call spectacularly good. Otherwise, of course, he would have been drafted. But much like when I talked about DeAnthony Melton in uh, in yesterday's show, um, Duval's in a pretty solid situation here, going to Houston, getting that opportunity to play under Mike D'Antoni. He averaged only 14 points per 40 minutes, but it's the two steals, it's the seven and a half assists that does give him a level of appeal. Now, 49% on his two-pointers is shithouse. 29% on his threes, equally shithouse. 59.6% from the free throw line, shithouse just can't shoot. That's the problem. That is a real, real issue. Not being able to shoot. Advanced stuff, putrid. 49 true shooting. Box score plus minus of three. Just not bringing it. But the assists and steals combination, if he works out how to shoot, which he could in the next two to three years time, he could become a backup level point guard. Maybe even go a little bit higher than that. But I'm not saying his upside is through the roof. But he's in a situation now that could work out for him. And uh, we have to see exactly how how that plays out in his time in Houston, but uh, he wasn't. It uh, wasn't the greatest of. um wasn't the greatest of, of options uh, in terms of what he did in his college. College numbers. Now, the 50th player on my list was a player that actually got drafted, drafted by the Charlotte Hornets using the Brooklyn Nets pick, which was then traded on to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that is, of course, MC Hamadou Diallo, who, out of the 164 players that I have translated, was the absolute worst in terms of their fantasy value. So. Yeah, you say, why is he at number 50, Josh? Well, the reason is, is he's an insane athlete. He comes in with potential, and Kentucky guys, I do give an element of benefit of the doubt to those players, but the numbers are not good. 16 points per 40, that's all right, but much like Trayvon Duval, 46% from two, shithouse. 34% from three, maybe not shithouse, but not great. 62% from the line, eh, pretty shit house. 1.2 steals per 40. Bad. 2 assists per 40. Bad. 0.6 per 40. Eh. Blocks, point, point 0.6 blocks per 40. Eh. Not bad. 5.8 rebounds per 40. Eh. This is nothing that's sensational about what he does. A PR of under 15 for a college player is, is atrocious. Box score plus minus stuff was not good, but this is basically a uh an an upside type of a play for a guy with an insane athleticism, you're moving to the Thunder, you're competing with guys like Alex Sabrines, Terry Ferguson. I think he's not going to be playing much this season. He's going to be a G League guy pretty much the entirety of this season. But if that shot can come along and if you can work on that 34% shooting from three and just get anything to start going offensively, there is some ability there for Diallo, but of course we're looking at this as a, uh, as a projection type situation, um, and, and he's going to struggle significantly, I believe, in his first season at least, or his first two, two to three years, would be my estimation on, uh, MC Hamadou Diallo. Let's look. At the rest of this uh, of this list, at number fifty-one, it is another first-round guy. It's Flaming Mo Wagner out of Michigan who ended up going to the Lakers. Wagner can shoot no one has any uh, any doubt about that the uh the junior out of uh germany and then uh, through michigan he can shoot no problem about that 21 points per 40 minutes over 20 points per 40 in his first in his last two years in college shot uh, 61% from two point range and 40% from three each of the last two years 10 boards uh per per 40 as well but one assist yuck 1.4 steals 0. 0.7 blocks yuck yuck those are, are not good numbers i hate to do the white on white comparison but Ryan Anderson comes to mind here. Better rebounder than Ryan Anderson. Doesn't block shots. Doesn't get assists. Doesn't get steals. He's the the guy that is one of those players that you combine your assist, steals, and blocks, and they not. They wouldn't ever get to two in, in combination. And that's a real struggle for fantasy value. What about you know, free throws? Eh, 69%. Giggity! That's not good. 73 in his sophomore season. 56. So he is a guy that's banging in threes, but can't hit free throws. Will he be able to keep up in the NBA uh, defensively? Will he be able to stay on the court? And you have to think at this point, no. No, he can't. Is he a center? He'll get cooked. Is he a power forward? He'll get cooked. Uh, the shooting's nice, but there comes a point where it's just not enough to stay on the court, and that's sort of where I sit with Wagner. Now, you can get you know, threes from a lot of different spots. It's hard to get threes along with good efficiency and uh and rebounding and that's what he can provide. So maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on flaming mo here, but still I didn't like the pick from the Lakers in a from a real life perspective and and I'm not a massive fan of it from a fantasy point of view. I just don't really see the path for him ever becoming a starter caliber player. Uh, on on a solid team and uh I guess the guys at 538 do uh, do agree with me in that sort of a in that sort of a sense um the next pick we've got Justin Jackson who went to the Orlando Magic out of Maryland the second Justin Jackson in the NBA um 13 points per 40 minutes in an injury plague season for Maryland I think we look more about what he did in his freshman year is more indicative where he averaged 15 points, 1.3 steals and a block uh, shooting uh, 44% from three because as a sophomore, while he was injured, only 25% from three. But there's so many weird differences here. Like his three-point percentage went from 44 to 25 freshman to sophomore year. But his free throws went from 70 as a freshman to 83 as a sophomore. So he improved there but couldn't hit threes. I don't really get the difference there. His steals and blocks seem pretty much replicable. Like he's still doing the same thing in those numbers across both of those seasons. Uh, The advanced stuff is not positive. A true shooting of only 47% is clearly not a good number. But a long player with triple one type potential makes you go, well, there's a little bit of something there for uh, for Justin Jackson, but on a team that stifles development as much as the Orlando Magic have seemed to be doing over the past couple of seasons, I don't really see a, an upside path there for uh, Jazza. And uh, the next pick, Gary Trent Jr., who was selected by Sacramento and then uh, traded on to the Portland Trail Blazers, a an excellent shooter. The Blazers need threes; um, they don't really need two guards. I think he does have a, an okay level of upside. Trent, I don't ever think he can become a, a starter caliber player. Just another one of these guys who can bang in threes and can do it at a decent enough rate. But what else is he doing? And that's where his fantasy value lacks 17 points per 40, 40% from three, excellent. But only 43% from two? Eh, 88% from the line. So you go, well, his two point shots are off. Does that mean his finishing's a problem? Uh, his ability to, to get to the rim's a problem? Yeah, that, that's all part of that. Self-creation, is that an issue? But then you go, the free throws are so good. So maybe the three-point percentage can keep up. But 1.7 assists per 40 minutes is atrocious. 1.4 steals is not good. Five rebounds... Uh, per 40 is is not that great. He does have a level of upside, but what other area of his game is he bringing to give us great fantasy value? And you have to hope that the free throw percentage can be there, but he needs more attempts. He needs to be able to get to the line more to really make that a positive. And I do have my concerns that he's going to be able to do that in the NBA. But there is there is a level of upside there with our big Gaz At 54, we're looking at the Penn State point guard, and that is Tone Carr, who ended up going to the New Orleans Pelicans, a a sophomore uh, in college. Um, Yeah, I don't really think his athleticism is a real concern. I don't think his upside is all that high. 22 points uh, last season on 43% shooting from three. Overall, though, field goal percentage of only 41 is really, really disappointing and shot under 40% on his twos in both of his years at college. That is a concern. Bad steal rate, good rebounder, subpar assist, no blocks. The Pelicans need wing players, but he's not that. He's a he's a guard, and will he be able to crack the rotation? I guess it depends what happens with Rajon Rondo, but Frank Jackson's coming back. I have very little hope uh, overall for for Tone Car becoming a uh, a viable. Uh, a viable fantasy option. Un- unfortunately, just I think the athleticism stuff is really going to have a big impact on him, and uh, that could uh, really limit his overall upside in, uh, in the NBA. The next guy we're going to look at is Kevin Hervey. And this is a guy who I do think has got tremendous fantasy upside, but can he do enough to get himself into a role for Oklahoma City? He's a guy that you know. When I project out, guys, he he could look to be a top two hundred guy if he got an enough minutes. Um, but is that a realistic situation as a six seven forward coming from a small school in uh, at Texas Arlington? That's somewhat of a concern too. But. Over the past three years in college, over 24 points per 40 minutes, over 10 rebounds per 40 minutes. Last year, 1.5 steals and 0.8 blocks per 40 minutes. Shoots the threes at a mid, mid three point shooter, and a 34% guy on decent attempts, over eight attempts per 40 minutes. So banging out the threes as a stretch four guy with a high rebounding rate and solid enough free throws, 77% career three point shooter the advanced numbers give you an element of concern especially defensively but if you can be that stretch four that say Patrick Patterson wasn't able to be and it won't be this season for for Kevin Hervey but the high rebounding numbers the the decent efficiency for Hervey uh, especially his free throw shooting yeah, and the ability to hit those threes and score at a decent enough rate gives me an element of hope there for him uh, the next guy we take a look at is uh, Devin Hall, uh, another player drafted uh, by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I, I just, yeah, he's, he's okay. He yeah, played well for uh, for Virginia. Uh, of course, he played well because he was able to get drafted. I've got him at number 56, but what is he doing well from a, an NBA point of view? A senior who averaged only 14 points per 40 minutes, under four assists, five rebounds, one steal, but shot 43% from three. So he's banging in the threes, but he's just not doing much in any of the other areas, but contributes to winning. 20 pr box score plus minus of over 10, some real defensive stuff, and can be a good defender. But is it a Clay Thompson type of good defender? Not comparing him to Clay, but Clay Thompson's acknowledged as a very good defender and provides jack shit for fantasy in terms of defensive numbers. And I get the feeling that Devin Hall could be one of those guys if he finds himself and oh, come in, bang, really, really good defender, and gets your 0.7 steals in in 22 minutes. And that's just not enough to really do anything especially when you're not really doing much in terms of getting assists. You're not a high rebounder. You're not a, a high-volume free-throw shooter, even though you are shooting at a high percentage. And I think all those things have a risk of holding Devin Hall back from being a, a, an instrumental uh, contributor from a fantasy point of view. The next guy we're going to look at is another undrafted player, but he has found himself uh, with a two-way deal signed with the Houston Rockets, and that is another Gary. Love getting more Garys into the league. Uh, Gary Clark, out of, um, out of Cincinnati, a guy along with Jacob Evans provided great defense for that Cincinnati team. And he can come in for this Rockets team that loves to get wing defenders. He's six foot seven, big, strong wing guy who can provide really strong defense immediately. And yeah, that could actually get him into a rotation role. And his box scores plus minus was absolutely through the roof. An 8.4 defensive box score plus minus is out of control. Defensive box score plus minus of 15.5 is out of control. A true shooting of 61 is out of control. A PER of thirty is out of control. A win shares per forty of over zero point three. These advanced numbers are blowing my mind. They are that that big. But can he find a big enough role? The answer for this season is probably not. Forty four percent from three. He shot twelve rebounds per forty minutes. One point seven blocks. Two steals per forty. Eighteen points. these numbers are all great. And you look at his uh, fantasy translations, you go, yeah, let's go. This is a guy, a steal, a block type of a one and a half steal, a a block per game, a high efficiency field goal guy who can rebound as a wing player and score at an okay level and bang in some threes. Yeah, you know what? There's top 200 potential here with Gaz. Maybe he can even get to being a top 120 guy at some point in his career. But he's currently a two-way guy. So there are reasons he's advanced age sort of a player. We do have to have that level of concern with what Gary can do. But shit, if he ever finds himself in that role, from what we've seen from him in college, those translations look really, really interesting. And it gives me, you know, something where I go, well, he's undrafted, but I'd like him ahead of some of those guys who were taken at the end. The number 58 guy on my list is Thomas Welsh, a big man from UCLA who ended up with the Denver Nuggets with one of the last picks in the draft. Played four years at UCLA, averaged 15 and 13 per 40 in his last season. But as a center, one block per 40, 0.8 steals and 1.7 assists don't really cut it didn't start shooting threes until his senior season when he attempted four per 40 minutes and hit 40% of them hadn't done that at all in any of his previous three seasons so is that a real thing yeah probably considering he hit 89% from the line as a junior and 83 as a um as a senior there's a as an element there where you go okay well maybe this shooting is a real uh, is a real thing for Thomas Welsh but it's where else is the value coming from is he a high finish, high percentage finisher with his field goals eh, 49% as a big man not really and you see that his junior and sophomore season he was at 59 and 59 but then when he started banging in threes that dropped by 10 percentage points so is that the trade off that he has to uh undergo to be that stretch big man and w- we know the Nuggets have got Nikola Jokic we know that there's Mason Plumley signed to a nonsense uh, uh long-term contract Welsh is a seven-foot center I-, I just don't really see too much there for him at number 59 on my list we've got uh Arnoldis Kuboka. Kubol- Kubolka yeah that's it Kuboka. Uh, a a wing player, a guy who was in last year's draft for a little bit of time, and then uh, and then pulled out there. Um, he's he's an interesting guy. I think has got a decent level of upside. Can defend a little bit on the wing, which is uh, which is a, a key. He's going to a Hornets team, which clearly doesn't have you know a, a great bunch of great bunch of players. But I do think that there is a, a little bit of value in what uh, in what Kibolka can do. Um, he p- spent last season uh, playing in Europe, in uh, in Italy for Betterland Um put up some okay numbers, 26 minutes, eight points per game, almost a steal, three and a half rebounds, 37% from three. His shooting is uh, overall uh, a concern, though. His uh, overall field goal percentage wasn't great, but he is a guy that I, I do think can be a contributor that can come in and be a 20 minute per game guy, but we're obviously getting right down to the bottom of this list now. Number sixty, number sixty in real life, number sixty in my ranks is the brother of the Greek freak, and that is Costas Adelakunpo. This is really just an upside play. Adelakunpo didn't put up great st- 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 try again statistical numbers uh, in his season at Dayton. He's not the uh, not the uh, brother that you really want to be investing in. That is Alex as the next guy coming along. 14 points with 7.5 rebounds per 40 minutes. The encouraging thing is the 2.8 blocks is really nice. 57% from the field is nice. And in true Giannis style, he shot 13% from three and was only 52% from the line. So there's obviously concerns there. But this is just taking a bet on an athletic guy who's got family pedigree. That's really uh, about it when we're looking at Costas Antetokounmpo. Now, the guys here who did miss out on my list were all, uh, on my top 60, were all drafted players. At number 61, I had Vince Edwards, who, um, again, this is the sort of player that NBA teams you know will be able to use at some point. Uh, wing type of guys with some defensive ability, but I've got him there at 61. Elise Johnson uh, from the Pacers, um, I've got him at 62. I've got uh, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk of the Lakers at 63 and the Phoenix Suns with Georgie King at number 64. That rounds out my list of my top top uh top sixty four uh dynasty rookies. Let's go through them once again just to give you the final list here. Again, very much uh, up for debate, up for uh things can change because there, there is so many players so close here. Let's go from the start. Number one, Luka Doncic, number two, Jaron Jackson Jr. Triple J. Number three, DeAndre Ayton. Number four, Trey Young. Number five, Mo Bamba. One, two, three, four, five. Number six, Marvin Bagley III. Number seven, Wendell Carter Jr. Number eight, McCall Bridges. Then we go to number nine, Michael Porter Jr. Number ten, DRC Zaire Smith. Number eleven, Miles Bridges. Twelve, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Thirteen, Colin Sexton. Fourteen, Robert Williams. DJ. The Rock DJ. Number 15, Janan Musa. Number 16, Josh Kogi Number 17, Kevin Huerta. 18, Alia Kobo. 19, The Fort. Kevin Knox. 20, Lonnie Walker, The Fourth. At 21, Jacob Evans. 22, DeAnthony Melton. 23, Rowdy Roddy Rodion's Courocks. Number 24, Isaac Bonga. 25, Kyrie Thomas. 26, Chandler Hutchison. 27, Mitchell Robinson. 28, The Burner, Jalen Brunson. 29, Brucey Brown. 30, Troy Brown. 31, HSV, Jared Vanderbilt. 32, Cater. Bates Diop thirty three Melvin Frazier, thirty four Jerome Robinson, thirty five Landry Shamet, thirty six Yusuf Sanon, thirty seven Sheikh Milton, thirty eight Kenrick Williams, thirty nine Devontae Graham and number forty Chimetsi Metu, and then wrapping up today's fifty one the golf ball race boarding, forty two the Wizard Amari Spellman, forty three Dante DiVincenzo, forty four Grayson Allen, forty five Aaron Holiday, forty six Red Simons, forty seven Jalen Adams, forty eight Alonzo Tria. 49, Trayvon Duval. Number 50, MC Hamadou Diallo, And at 51, Flamin Mo Wagner. 52, Justin Jackson. 53, Gary Trent Jr. 54, Tony Carr. 55, Kevin Hervey. 56, Devon Hall. 57, Gaz Clark. 58, Thomas Welsh. 59, Arnoldus Kubolka. And number 60, Costas Antetokounmpo with Vince Edwards, Elise Johnson, Svi Mikhailuk, and Georgie King rounding out the list. Guys, if you do enjoy this podcast, go and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And also, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on Spotify. And of course... Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up and leave a comment. Go check out my Twitter feed at RedRock underscore Beeble and leave your expression of interest in the Red Rock Challenge Leagues coming up for this season. Redraft Leagues, Points Head-to-Head and, uh, and Roto Leagues. Go check them out. And of course, make sure you're checking out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Jarrett Allen.